This is a midweek exception, an NBA podcast for the 24th of November, 2015. And joining me today for this special Thanksgiving episode is Grant. Yes, I'm thankful for the midweek exception, John. I'm I'm glad you are. I'm thankful for it as well. So for today's podcast, what we're doing is normally we do the three up, three down podcast where we pick three things that we like the direction they're going and three things that we are less high on the direction that they're going. But today, due to the fact it's almost Thanksgiving in like, what, two days, I think? Yeah. Um, we're going to pick things that are going well, and we're going to say that we're thankful for them. So I'll let Grant kick this off for us. Well, the first thing I'm thankful for is the Eastern Conference, because for the last couple of years, it has been the Eastern Conference, and it's been made made fun of and a item of ridicule and this year it's actually looking pretty good now there are arguments to be made that the west is just more competitive so they lose more games but i'm not going to go into that right now i'm just going to talk about how we actually for the first time in a while have the top eight teams all over 500 and actually the top 10 teams in the east are over 500 and if you go down there's actually only four teams below 500 and two teams that you know are significantly below with the the uh, yeah Bucks and Orlando are six and eight, so they're right there. And then Brooklyn's three and eleven, and the Sixers have found a way to go zero and fifteen. So yeah, there's that. Kind of astonishing. I thought last night against the Timberwolves was going to be the game where the um where the seventy sixers might get their first win just because Okafor was going nuts against the Timberwolves, but ultimately the Timberwolves, I guess, had a little bit more than them. So so yeah, I agree though. I mean the East is looking a lot better this year. It goes it's exactly what you said, you know, a lot of those top teams, those top ten teams are all above five hundred right now. Um you know, it's a lot of teams that you wouldn't expect to be competitive are actually doing relatively well and then you have the Milwaukee Bucks, who everyone's kind of expecting to make the playoff push. You know, they're obviously six and eight now, but they could, you know, go in the right direction and make a really make it really competitive in the East this year. Yeah, and teams like the Hornets, who people kind of expected nothing from and started off pretty pretty bad, are in the eighth seed at eight and six right now. And there's been a lot of different runs by various teams. Some teams that have started hot have kind of cooled off, but still, it's that. 500 and over mark for the top 10 teams and if you look at the west the teams they only have four teams that are actually over 500 and their seventh and eighth seed are actually a game under 500 so yeah just uh just again east is looking good looking strong now i mean for being honest the warriors are head and shoulders above everyone else but I mean, the rest of the Western Conference, it looks like kind of the top teams in the East could be competitive with them. Um, So I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that's nice to see because of how the last couple seasons have gone, Um, especially with our our favorite team in the East, watching kind of their success be downplayed a little bit. And then I think we actually kind of have it right finally with LeBron and Cleveland actually in first place. I mean, they're 11 and three, which is a pretty strong record, but then you got Miami nine and four Chicago who, I mean, if you look at from the eye test, they haven't had a great start, but they're still eight and four, which is a solid record. And then the Pacers are right up there too. So right. it's just, uh, 
it's about where people expected in terms of rankings, but records is uh, not what a lot of people expected. So I'm uh, I'm happy to see it. Yeah. Um, no, I completely agree. My first thing that I'm thankful for is Kristaps Porzingis having a really, really solid beginning of his <clears throat> NBA career. Sorry, I'm getting over cold, so I'm going to clear my throat a bunch. But um, just it's really nice to see him getting his season you know, and just said his career started the right way. Already has seven double doubles. He's currently um, he's averaging. Hold on one second. Okay, he's averaging thirteen point seven points per game, nine point one rebounds. Just had a huge performance against the Miami Heat with twenty points, fourteen boards. Just it's really, really refreshing seeing a player that was booed on draft night panning out to look really good. And he does look like a player who is going to ultimately be part of that future of the New York Knicks. I mean. The fans already have grown to love him. Carmelo Anthony loves playing with him. He just had some comments the other day saying how he feels like Porzingis is the future kind of for this team and that he everyone's noticing he looks like Melo looks like he's enjoying his time on the court a lot more right now. So again, it's really refreshing to see a, a rookie player who is kind of not beloved by everyone panning out to look really good so far early in the season. Yeah, he has been quite the surprise. I wasn't thinking he was going to be a bust, but I certainly was not expecting this from him. Um, Really just uh, looks like a solid player. looks like a player that's got plenty of room to grow still. And, And, I mean, not too many flaws so far. And I think an extension of that, too, it's nice to see the Knicks healthy. I mean, yeah. I, I like Carmelo. Uh, I think he's a great player. I like to watch him play, and it's just nice to see him healthy, and like it's nice to see him kind of caring about basketball. Whereas last year, I mean, it was just so disappointing. You've got a you know top ten player who is surrounded by just pretty much garbage, right? And no effort, nobody cared, and he was out there on one leg, you know, giving it his all, and then ended up having to be shut down. So it's just, it's nice to see the Knicks kind of clicking and really showing some promise. And like we kind of said, they're right in the thick of the Eastern Eastern conference playoff race. And we'll see how that pans out. But if, as long as there's no real rookie wall for Porzingis, there's no reason they can't be right in that seven to 10 range in the thick of things throughout uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's, they, they're one of those teams that, are kind of in that seven to eight range, I think, by the end of the season. And I think a lot of the credit does have to go to Porzingis for his his early contributions with that team. So I'm just hoping he can keep it up for the rest of the season. Absolutely. All right, so my second thing I am thankful for is Steph Curry. Because whether you like the Warriors or you don't, whether you want to see him win or you don't, this dude is unreal. I mean, what he is doing in terms of shooting is pretty unprecedented, especially at his volume. And he really looks to be the next great player. I think a lot of people last year in his MVP season were kind of looking as he's a product of his team. If his team wasn't so great, you know, he wouldn't even be in the running. He's a great shooter. He's a great player, but is he an MVP a lot of people said they didn't know. They weren't sure about it. James Harden carried his team. But he has come out and proven that he is on another level. He is the best player in the NBA. And really, it 
looking at hindsight, he was the best player last year. Right. I mean, it, 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 there's no real argument anymore, especially looking at it now and the fact that he's been able to carry it into this season. And it makes me think that, you know, they really do have a dynasty on their hands. It's not going to be whereas kind of the Heat lost one and then you knew they were going to be right in it and won a couple in a row. They were in it for four years. And there was always kind of the chance that they were going to win. And it was almost different, you know, competitor each time, except for with the Spurs, obviously. It's going to be very surprising if we don't see the Warriors string together, you know, damn near a three-peat. And I know it's early to say, but, I mean, Steph Curry, it's going to be a cliche argument, but, I mean, he's got that, the Jordan in him. He really, he really does. Now he, they've obviously got a way better team, but this is a player that night in and night out, they could be down 20. They could be up 20. He goes out and he just pushes everything and pushes his team and he makes his team better. And he makes everyone on his team and everyone around him better too, which is really what a superstar all world player does. And again, what he is doing is unbelievable. So just quickly, he's averaging almost 33 points on 44% shooting from three and 51% from the field. I mean, that, then that's taking 21 shots a game. Yeah. How the hell does that happen? It, it, it simply doesn't. For a jump shooter uh, and a three-point shooter to average over 50% is – absolutely unbelievable and he's also dishing out you know six assists and for a small kind of uh skinny player he's still crabbing almost uh five and a half rebounds a game yeah that's what surprised me the most i was looking at stats also and i was surprised to see five and a half almost five and a half rebounds per like game. 33 five and five from a player that in his first, you know, four years was labeled as pretty soft. Yeah. That I'm again. So I'm just, I'm thankful for him. Be honest. There's kind of that fatigue in terms of LeBron being the best player in the world. So it's just really nice to see someone come in, take that from him and really deservingly. So, and do it for what looks like to be well, a couple years in a row now. And looks like to be kind of for the foreseeable future and he's just a fun player to watch yeah exactly it's it's funny i'm looking at his stats nine of his 15 games he's played this season he scored 30 or more points including the game against the pelicans where he dropped 53 he's had three games where he scored 40 to 49 points in addition to that so just like ridiculous numbers and the fact that it's almost like night and day comparing him to harden right now you'd think that harden would come out really hungry this season, you know, feeling he deserved the MVP last year and he will just go off and he's still putting up okay numbers, but it's really inefficient shooting. This hasn't looked quite right this season. I guess that's kind of the, the Rockets in general as a team though. And just, it, it's a good thing to be thankful for having Steph Curry right now in the league just because it's completely insane. The numbers he's putting up and it's, it's really fun just to watch him on the court every night. It really is. Now, quick question. What is more impressive, the Warriors starting fifteen and zero, or the Sixers starting zero and fifteen? That's what's tricky. I'm trying to think. Actually, I think to me, 
probably the Warriors going 15 and 0 because they've played actually some pretty quality teams during this stretch also. Insofar as like there was a game against the Raptors where it kind of came down to the wire. There was a game with the Clippers, the Bulls, and the Pelicans, who on paper are not like a terrible team. That maybe they should be in the or the they should have lost one of those games, perhaps. But I mean, at the end of the day, though, it's hard to. I don't know. It's 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 tough. I'm actually looking at the Sixers uh, season so far, and you know there are a handful of those teams where, in theory, they maybe had a shot to beating them, like the Timberwolves. I guess were a team that I thought they could have beaten the. Uh, I don't know, maybe the Bucks. I don't know. I think I think the Warriors going fifteen and zero is more impressive than on fifteen, though. Okay, I can understand that. And when you think? look at the raw, I don't know. When you look at the rosters, it's it's just so unbelievably opposite. The Warriors have a roster that obviously no one should go fifteen and zero, but if there's a team to do it, it's the Warriors. Yeah, and then conversely. If there's a team to go 0 and 15, it's the Sixers. Yeah. The two big men that can't seem to, their two best players basically can't play together. Right. And that's yeah. what's really disappointing about them, which is a whole co- different conversation. But they've got two future all star big men, then they can't play together. Right. Which, and then they've got a third potential all star big man who can't see the floor. So yeah. maybe it's time to start drafting, you know, guards and small forwards, Philly. You would think that would be the case because I don't think TJ McConnell's gonna fill out their point guard spot oh, for over the next few years. Um, no, has he still not taken a free throw? Uh, you know what? I feel like it would have been reported that he did or he didn't, but I'll look that up really, really quickly. Um, for my next thing that I'm actually thankful for is uh, Rajan Rondo actually somewhat resembling the Rondo that we all know and love. Um, this season, he is averaging 10.9 points per game, 10.8 assists per game, and 7.6 rebounds a game, shooting a beautiful 36% at the free throw line. And let's see, from three, he's shooting 35%. So a bit surprising, I think, actually. So there is a period of time where I was a Rondo supporter and I would very openly say people were wrong for judging him and saying he was like terrible and all those kind of things. Also for the record, TJ McConnell hasn't shot a free throw yet this season. Nice. I looked up really quickly. So that's what I'm trying to think of how many minutes, but he's not shot a free throw yet. Um, in 429 minutes. But anyway, uh, yeah. So for a very long time, I would kind of defend Rajon Rondo saying like, Oh, he's a really good point guard. You know, he's like, like top six, top seven in the NBA right now. And I've come to terms with the fact that I was wrong. And I'm willing to admit that I was completely off base in saying that. But it's nice to see him in Sacramento actually doing things for that team so far this season. Um, obviously, the Sacramento Kings are kind of in this, They're in a very curious place this season where they can't really seem to get any sort of stability. Right now, they're 5-10, and ten, but... I don't know. Just it's 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 fun to see Rondo go out there and just kind of ball every single night, even if his free throw percentages are completely abysmal and there's still those plays where you just wonder what the hell he's doing. Yeah, no, I agree. It's the NBA is better with uh, a solid Rajon Rondo just because his play style is so much different than 
the trend the NBA is going into. And when he is actually effective and out there playing, it's just nice to have the variety and have someone that kind of wants to buck the trend and just say, no, I know what I'm good at. And that's putting up 12, 10 and 11 and shooting, you know, and shooting 35%. But, oh, wait, the playoffs are here. Let me just go, you know, 25, 15 and 10 and shoot 50% somehow. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've always had a soft spot for Rondo, even when him and Kirk Heinrich fought back in like 2009. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, like I, I kind of forgot about that until now. But um, so I'm not alone in saying that for being having a soft spot for Rondo, because I feel like he gets a lot of flack from people and I get it. And it's actually pretty well deserved, I think. There's always this like, little part of me that's like, I really don't want Rondo to ever just go away because I think he's really fun to watch still. Yeah, I think a lot of the people that don't like him are the people that have them him on their team. Um, okay, yeah. Because <laughs> from an outsider's perspective, you can kind of pick and choose what Rondo you watch. If he's playing like garbage, it's just whatever. doesn't really affect you. If he's playing great, awesome. Let's tune in and watch some you know, prime Rondo. But on a night-in, night-out basis, when he gets traded to your team for your entire bench and then starts fighting with the coach and not listening to the coach, that's a bit aggravating. Or mm-hmm. when he starts the season and doesn't immediately mesh with your all-world center and him and the coach aren't bickering, but they're also not getting along great and it's a little slow, it's a little frustrating. But then you see what he can do and, I think he'll benefit from some continuity. Uh, basically, as long as Sacramento doesn't fire Carl and he can actually really develop chemistry with you know Rudy Gay, Ben McElmore, Marcus Cousins, all those guys, if he can develop some chemistry, they should be all right, and we should see an effective Rondo, assuming him and Car- George Carl can ultimately get along, which it seems like we're trending that way. Right. Um, so the last thing I'm thankful for is the Dirk resurgence. I like this. I it's a good Dirk. thing. Yeah. I love Dirk. I'm happy the Mavs are back kind of in the thick of the playoff race because I think you and I both expected them to be a bottom four team in the West just because of what happened um, and I've also always had kind of a soft spot for Darren Williams, too, uh, after watching him play in college and everything. Like, it seemed to do good, and it's kind of like he's turned back the clock as well. So just I could just say I'm thankful for the Mavs in general, but I'll stick it mostly to, to Dirk because he's averaging 18 points, 6.5 rebounds, and basically two assists. But he is also shooting unbelievable shooting 53% from three and 54% from the field. And that to me is prime playoff there that we have seen thus far in the season. I'm worried that it won't be able to continue, but I hope that they kind of have it figured out where they're starting off hot, getting a lot of wins, loading up, being in the playoff race, and then they're going to give him and Darren Williams kind of on and off rest. Mm-hmm. Because if they can enter the playoffs – relatively healthy i mean they're gonna be a force to reckon with if chandler parsons ever gets healthy and wesley matthews finally i mean i know he's been playing but if he once he works himself back into you know the way he knows he can play 
that team is going to be very good in the playoffs. They've got a very solid rotation, you know, top six or seven guys. If they can be healthy and if they can have some momentum going into the playoffs, they can be really great. But I think a lot of it all hinges on Dirk because if a 37-year-old Dirk is healthy going into the playoffs and playing like he is now, where he, you know, hitting his shots at a very high percentage, averaging, you know, nearly 20 points, that frees up the game for everyone else. So it, it, it all kind of hinges on Dirk being healthy and shooting at kind of this rate. But the last couple seasons, he's got to put a lot of minutes on himself. He's played 80 and 77 games the last two years. So he's going to really need to watch his minutes and probably take – he might even have to take kind of the LeBron mid-year vacation, to be honest. Right. Because – like I said, the Mavericks season will probably live and die by Dirk. So if he's healthy and he can play this way all season, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with, and they're going to give someone hell in the first or second rounds. Yeah, I know exactly. It's um, it's really it's it's nice seeing Dirk Nowitzki play at a level where, like, when you're watching him on the court, you never feel like oh, he's just one play away from like breaking down and it all being over. He looks really, really good so far this season. And I think it's it's what you said also with Darren Williams kind of having a resurgence this year, looking pretty good for the Mavs. If Chandler Parsons can be completely healthy, I mean, Zaza Pachulia has looked really good for the Mavs as well. It'd be nice to see Dirk get kind of that final, like that final shot at the postseason and the playoffs and the finals. I mean, they're not going to get that far because you do have those teams like the the Spurs, the Warriors. I mean, again, though, this is a Mavericks team that was able to push the Spurs to a, what was it, a seven-game series, I think, or a six-game series last year? Or was it two years ago? No, it was two years ago. That was two years ago. Right. Which, you know, I mean, it's obviously a different roster for the Mavs now than compared to then, but, you know, you have Rick Carlisle coaching. So it is really nice, though, like you said, and it's a good thing you know, like didn't even think about to be thankful for, but seeing Dirk Nowitzki in these final years has been a real, a real treat so far. Yeah. He didn't have a Kobe season, which is really that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's something to not be thankful for the uh, Kobe season. So yeah, far. that that's a downer. So let's not talk about it. Yeah. So my final thing. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I am a very blatant Timberwolves fan. And if you want to, you can tune it off now. But I am thankful for the Minnesota Timberwolves being at 6-8 and eight so far this season and not looking completely incompetent right now, despite the fact that Sam Mitchell isn't a particularly good coach for this team. Uh, I'm trying to think of really how to explain why I'm happy about this. I guess it's the fact that Ricky Rubio has been healthy for the most part of the season, no like major injuries to him outside of sending out a couple of games. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns has looked really good so far this season as well. You have, obviously, Andrew Wiggins, the reigning rookie of the year. Kind of had a slow start to begin the season, but since then he's kind of gotten things together, averaging 22.3 points per game, shooting 43%. Um, Just in general, like lately, looking a lot better on the court it's going to be another year or two before this team's able to really compete. I think there are some people throwing them in as, Oh, they're going to battle for the bottom seed in the West, which 
I wish that would make me really, really happy, but it's not going to happen this year. But they have a really good foundation in place right now, I think. You know, we saw Zach Levine have a couple of really good games when Rubio was out. So I think trying to get him a role in this team where he can consistently produce is going to be kind of key to their success as it's, you know, a very young team right now. And everyone just needs some time to develop. Bialica has looked good when he hasn't been injured this season as well. So I'm just thankful that the Minnesota Timberwolves are not a bottom team in the Western Conference right now. They are not a team that people are saying, oh, they're, you know, they're doomed for another year or two. They're not 0-15 right now. They beat the 76ers last night, which it would have devastated me had the Timberwolves dropped another game to give the 76ers their first win. So I don't know. Just It's a very broad thing to talk about being happy about, but I am incredibly thankful that the Timberwolves are 6-8 and right now. Well, they've just been fun to watch. And yeah. It's been fun to see Ricky Rubio actually kind of live up to his potential a little bit, mainly because he's actually got players around him and players that want to play with him. Looking at you, Kevin Love. Yep. Um, <laughs> and he's got – he's young, but he's kind of a veteran on this young team, and he's got players that are rallying around him. And he's, they're, they're building a very solid rotation. I mean, obviously they're, you know – a starter or two away from a full roster but you know it Belitsa is that how you pronounce it uh Bialitsa it's a it's a tricky one I've heard it pronounced a million different ways to be honestly but yeah well like he looks like he could be a really solid you know four in the NBA what I mean ideally you find someone better than him to be honest and he can come off the bench Mm -hmm. and then you're really cooking but I mean Zach Levine you have him as a spark plug off the bench. That's phenomenal. And then, you know, when Ricky Rubio inevitably gets injured once in a while, just having to fill in for minutes, whereas last year he was, you know, starting half the year because they had no one else. Yeah. He benefits from that experience. And if he can keep getting some minutes and developing, you know, he looks to be like a solid role player. And yeah. what's going to be nice is he could be, you know, if he's their seventh or eighth man, they've done something right. So I think we're kind of seeing that a lot of that potential and it's fun to see because Wiggins, it's it's nice to see him take another step and towns looks like a stud. I mean, they have a a fun roster to watch and it's nice to see kind of a fun young roster actually winning a couple games because I feel like in this NBA climate, a lot of those young looks like future players, talented rosters they don't end up winning many games they're just kind of in games right and we're seeing with you know that kind of with the magic i think the magic actually and the timberwolves have the same record but the wins are sticking out a little bit more from the timberwolves because of you know how they didn't how they started the season but those are two teams that they're actually winning some games and they're in almost every game which is what's great to see and i don't think we've seen that very Often in the last couple of years, it's kind of like either either you're in or you're out, either you're rebuilding or you're trying to fight for a playoff spot, either you're young or you're more veteran laden. It's nice to see some of these younger teams really start to live up to their potential. Right, exactly. And I think it's, it's what you said. It's just like watching a team develop and slowly realizing, oh, yeah, this guy's actually really good at this thing, we, you know, they can bring him off the bench. Like, I feel like Shabazz Muhammad is yet to have his oh, yeah, really, I forgot about him. 
he's yet to have his like really good game this season, but you know, there was a stretch of games in the 14, 15 season and for the month of December, he put up 18.1 points per game, 5.3 rebounds shot 49%. So that's even against good teams against, you know, the Clippers, the uh, Rockets that season, the Spurs, Warriors, Thunder. So Cleveland as well. So, I mean, he's a, he's a player that, once he starts getting the consistent minutes that he needs to get, and once he gets into a rhythm, he can be a really solid role player, I think, on the Timberwolves going forward. So it seems like this kind of every player on this team, you're waiting for them to have that really good game and to break into a rhythm. And once everyone kind of hits their stride, it might not be this year, it could be next year or the year after, they look like a team that you know they can really compete in the West in the, in the near future. Yeah, I mean, don't be shocked if they're that seven or eight seed next year. Yeah, exactly. So those are all of our things that we were thankful for this season. I'm thinking maybe even on Thanksgiving, I'll do a bunch of like tweeting or something about, because I'm sure there'll be some trending hashtag or whatever about being th- being, yeah, being thankful for things. So if you want to check that out, it'll be at our Twitter page, at MWException. You can also find us on iTunes by just looking up the midweek exception. We appreciate any subscriptions or ratings you can give us there. In addition, if you're trying to just listen to this on a web browser, we always post our episodes to multiplesources.net. Every single episode has been there, including our power rankings, which are actually going to drop tomorrow on Wednesday, the 25th of November. And we'll record a little something about why certain teams are ranked where they are and so we always have some kind of controversial or weird move that I'm sure people look at and are a little bit baffled as to why why we put, you know, the Bulls in the top five teams or something like that. Or the Timberwolves in the top ten. <laughs> right. I mean, you never know. I even though I feel like that's not gonna happen this week. No, but they've because, fallen a little bit back down to earth, but they have. Yeah. But but in my heart they'll always be a top ten team. So there you go. Is there anything else you want to plug or are we good to go? I think we're good to go. All right. So thanks a ton for listening. Hopefully you check out our power rankings we're putting up tomorrow and listen to that podcast as well. Otherwise, have a safe and great Thanksgiving weekend weekend and all that fun stuff. Thanks for listening.